From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Carl Gallup stays with us this hour, preparing for the coming days of Noah, and Carl is the longtime senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Florida. Additionally, he's a conference leader, evangelist, Christian media icon. He's one of the founders of video teaching material to the world-famous P.P. Simmons YouTube ministry and biblical apologetics channel. He's a graduate of Florida State University and the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, his latest book is The Summoning. Okay, so we're talking about the Great Reset as part of this Antichrist system. Let's go back a little bit and talk about some of the proposals that are being floated. It's looking more and more like a vaccine-type passport is going to be required, certainly in Europe, and they're seriously floating that idea here. I mean, I don't know whether it would be constitutional. I don't think it would be, but that I don't know. The courts seem to be playing ball with whatever comes their way. They just said, that's fine. Anyway, let's talk about COVID vaccine passports and these quantum dots, this marking system. Yeah, they're dead serious. When I say they, I mean, not maybe not everybody, but a huge consortium of world leaders and government leaders are deadly serious about vaccine passports and tracing. Of course, Bill Gates with Microsoft is right in the middle of it and other tech giants. Some of them don't have a clue about the biblical connotations, the prophetic and the demonic connotations of this. I, I'm not trying to give them a pass, but I think they're just thinking money and power, money and power, you know, without some kind of mitigating force in your life, like the presence of God. I mean, you're just open to your flesh and open to the wilds of the world, and your gods are going to be money and power, controlling the population for my benefit and my manipulation. And so that's kind of the philosophy, the overarching philosophy, it seems, and I'm oversimplifying it some, but of the Great Reset, this ideology, ideology that's got its own website, is connected to the big globalist institutions like the United Nations, and they're looking at global government, they're looking at global health care, they're looking at global digital monetary systems, and they say this, and they say they're going to use the COVID crisis as the launching pad for it, and they're talking about tracing and marking. Listen, I wrote a book called When the Lion Roars several years ago. Let's see, you asked me earlier, do I ever talk about this stuff before COVID? Oh, yeah, been seeing it coming. I started studying the 2020 agenda of the United Nations, but that was back in 2017, 2018. Well, their agenda was basically the same as what we're looking at, the Great Reset. They just didn't have the what I called in that book the trigger What do we do? What can we use to get the whole world marching to our orders? And I predicted back then a pandemic of some sort could be a trigger. And I talked about other triggers. But back then they were saying by 2020, we want to have the whole world identified and marked using the technology. Back then they were really focusing in on this biometrics, you know, the biometric technology to mark everybody. But that never happened. It didn't happen to the extent they wanted it to, even though they were feverishly working. And then 
the United Nations came up with Agenda 2030, and they called it Sustainable Development Project, a really sweet word saying, look, as the world grows and grows and grows in population, we've got to be able to sustain it. We've got to feed it. We've got to clothe it. We've got to employ it. How are we going to do that if we've got 7 billion, 8 billion, 12 billion, 15 billion people? We've got to be able to sustain the development. Well, if we're going to do that, we've got to have, you guessed it, Global government, global money system, global this, global that. And the, and the goal is 2030, and they literally said, and I've got it documented, in the 2030 agenda of the United Nations, we will have every man, woman, boy, and girl on the planet marked and coded and identified so they can be traced and tracked. But get this, that 2030 agenda stated, and I'm paraphrasing, but it stated And we're going to do this so that we can, it literally said, to bring peace and safety to the world. Now, why am I emphasizing like that and using the word literally so much? (laughs) Because it literally said that, and I've got it documented, but the Bible literally says way back in Daniel and then again in the New Testament that in the days when they're crying peace and safety, and the, and the implication is when the world is crying peace and safety, peace and safety, then sudden destruction is going to come. In other words, that's when the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, the Antichrist system will come to its fruition. I mean, they're living out prophecy. They're using words. Look, this whole thing of vaccine tracing and vaccine certificates, and you can't fly in internationally unless you've had a a vaccine card or you've been chipped or you got a tracer dot in you or something like that. You can't fly. Some, even Bill Gates said early on until he got his wrist slapped because he was speaking too quickly and panicking people, but he said, you know, we could require this for you to work. We could require this for you to go to the grocery store. We could require, he literally said, we could actually require this so that people can go back to church. In other words, they took church away and then the right. bait was, if you'll take our mark, we'll let you go back to church. Now, you, well, you mentioned biometrics. I'm just going to crib here from your book. You write, a new biometric identity platform partnered with the Gates-funded GAVI Vaccine Alliance and MasterCard will launch in West Africa and combine COVID-19 vaccination, cashless payments, and potential law enforcement applications. In early June… Yep. Gavi or GAVI reported that MasterCard's Wellness Pass program would be adopted in response to the coronavirus pandemic. Around a month later, MasterCard announced that Trust Stamp's biometric identity platform would be integrated into Wellness Pass as Trust Stamp system. So what are, what are they linking here? If you get the vaccine, you can actually get paid? Yep. And brother, <laughs> it sounds so surreal. But this is real life in real time now. We are actually living inside of prophecy, and most of the church doesn't even get it, which is why I'm doing these broadcasts. It's why I'm writing these books. I'm trying to wake up the church. And poor Africa, bless their hearts. It's like they're always on the cutting edge of being experimented with, almost like lab rats as a continent or a nation. Down through the decades, they've been targeted for this. And now, as you said, you're reading from my book, and I got it straight from the websites of the people that are doing it. They're going to use Africa again, West Africa, as the experimental launch pad for this marking system. And you're right, it's attached to all of those conditions. And so people that know the Word of God, 
they know Revelation 13 that basically says, and the whole world will be forced to take a mark. It's a worship or a giving homage, if you will, to the Antichrist system. And if you don't take the mark, it literally says, I'm sorry I'm using the word literally so much, but I'm using it correctly. It literally says you cannot buy or sell unless you have the mark. Well, if you can't buy or sell, then you can't eat. You can't work. You die or you scrounge around like a rat and beg and borrow and steal. And the book of Revelation describes that about the last days. And now the Great Reset and the Agenda 2030 and the sustainable development. And now the thing you just read, you know, you got MasterCard involved. You got Bill Gates involved. You've got these globalist leaders involved. And they're saying, we're not going to let a good crisis go to waste. Here's the trigger we've been waiting on. Now, I'm very clear in the, in the book on the summoning. I am not saying on your program tonight. Now, it may turn out that this is true, but right now I'm not saying that COVID-19 is the mark of the beast and the vaccine and that it's the be-all, end-all. I think it's a dry run for what's coming next. I think what's coming next may be even worse. I think. I could be wrong. But even if it is, it's building and building and it's morphing on itself and it's mutating itself. And, and so it could be that what began in 2020 will mutate into this antichrist system. It could be. But we cannot be denied. Again, I've got it all documented that the globalist leaders who are looking at the globalist agenda are giddy with power and wealth and control and manipulation. And they actually say on their websites and in their literature, COVID-19 is the foundation for getting this done. And now, you know, we're watching it happen, brother, with the masking and the staying at home and the closing of businesses, closing of entire cultures and societies and nations and states. My church never did close, and I, I haven't gotten into that story, and I'm not going to dive into the whole thing right now. But through our live stream, we now have had to develop a live stream membership for our church, people from all over the world. I could give you their names. I actually went through a bunch of the names this morning in church. We've got couples from Germany, where Germany is not letting people go back to church yet. We've got people, families in parts of Canada that have joined our church. A couple of women, they don't even know each other. They've gotten to know each other, but they live in a part of this city where there were a couple of churches. The government said, no, church is closed, church is closed. And the pastors left town. And it was the only two churches in town. Now they have no churches. You want to hear how ridiculous things got up here. So they opened the film industry up here. It's a, and and I, I'm glad they did because that's a big employer here in, in Toronto. So this was at a time when you had harsh restrictions on churches. They could have 10 people. didn't matter how large the church was. 10 people maximum. Unless you were shooting a film inside a church in which you wanted to recreate a liturgy or a service, and then you could have more than 10 people. So as long as you're making a movie in church, you can have more than 10 people. But if you're actually conducting a liturgy or a church service, you can only have 10 people. That's the degree of lunacy that we're dealing with here. It's lunacy, it's depravity, it's duplicity, and all of those other fancy big words. It's hypocrisy, and it's all tied to never let a good crisis go to waste. And I still, again, without judging individual pastors or congregations or denominations, I still hold the church as a whole at fault for this because the government said boo, 
and pastors, denominations, Christians, and churches all over the world ran for the hills. And I'm telling you, the Word of God even warns that in the days before the return of the Lord, the Bible warns that judgment will begin first with the house of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, this whole world is already under judgment according to the word of God because it's fallen. Satan is the prince of this world right now, but we're in the fourth quarter. He's lost. He knows it, but he is still fighting for his life. So the world, the lost world, I'm talking people that don't know the Lord. And again, I'm not getting preachy here. I'm just telling you what the Bible says because the Bible is the only religious book in the world that prophesied all these things, and now we're living them. No other religious book. I could name them all, but it sound like I'm attacking religion, so I'm not going to. But no other religious book in the world prophesied thousands of years ago the exact things that are happening right now. But the Bible does. The Word of God does. And it actually says judgment begins first with the house of God. And Jesus, even his parables, he talked about the wheat and the tear and the separating process. He talked about that, Richard. He prophesied. He predicted that the last days would be a final harvesting, and it would begin in the house of God. It would separate. Jesus said, not everybody just says, Lord, Lord. Not everybody just quote and I'm making air quotes here, attends church or gives a little money or says the name of Jesus, that doesn't mean you're going to come into my Father's kingdom, Jesus said. And so again, we're watching that happen. The church has basically, by and large around the globe, been dismantled and made irrelevant, they think. And even in America, where we have the First Amendment and a lot of strong-hearted patriots and churches kind of stayed open. Well, not many, but some did, like mine. And others have opened back up and said, you know, to heck with all these mask laws and stuff. We're going to get back to life. We sang one Sunday, my faith is in Jesus. The very next Sunday, we ran and hid for months. And they're saying, you know, we're embarrassed by that. We're not going to do that. We're going to do what our ancient forefathers did. We're going to come out in the middle of pandemics, and we're going to minister to the hurting, the dying, and the sick. Even if it costs us our lives, we're going to model what the church is about, what Jesus Christ is about. And so that's happening, and I praise God for that. But basically around the world, the church is being weeded out, and it needs to be. The weed and the tear need to be separated. But it happens to the church First, God's Word says. I want to talk about the subtitle of the book, Preparing for the Days of Noah. And we talk a lot on this show when we get into the Nephilim and so forth. We talk about as in the days of Noah. So it's mentioned twice. Jesus refers to the days of Noah when he's asked about the second coming and so forth. Why is it mentioned twice? I think first to the Pharisees, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, who are constantly quizzing him and so forth and trying to trip him up but then also to his disciples. So where is it mentioned and why twice? Luke 17 and Matthew 24 is where Jesus really preaches, teaches on it and makes it the foundational point or the foundational sign of his soon coming. And I'll explain that. But I also want to make clear to your audience that this whole theme of Noah and the days of Noah and says in the days of Lot, that's found throughout the New Testament, out of the mouth of Jesus, out of the mouth of Peter, out of the mouth of Paul, out of the mouth of John. This is not something hidden in a little corner in some little trinket of scriptural nugget. This is a major theme. And so in Luke 17 and Matthew 24, here's what happens. These are two separate instances separated by a couple of months. Jesus is in the last couple of months of his earthly life. He's headed towards Jerusalem to present himself to the cross. 
and to an empty tomb, and so the church can be born and everything. But he's down along the Jordan River Road. He's coming down from the Galilee area, Lake Galilee, and he's going the Jordan River Road all the way into Jericho. And then Jericho, he'll go up the mountain, finally to Bethany, which is on the outskirts of Jerusalem at the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is a part of Jerusalem, but it's on the outskirt of the wall and the, and the Temple Mount. And then from there, he'll go through the Eastern Gate on the back of a donkey, which he did Palm Sunday, prophesied by Zechariah in chapter 9, 400 years before it happened. And then the last week, he would be there. So in Luke 17, He's down along the Jordan Road, and he's going village to village. He's got a crowd following him, and he's got his own disciples. But he's been ministering for three years now, and so crowds are always following him, hundreds, sometimes thousands. Sometimes he'll gather on a hillside and start preaching, and 10,000 people will show up. I mean, it's the size of most civic centers. I mean, that's amazing. And so he's walking along the road. And so the Pharisees, who are the teachers of the law and the rabbis of the local synagogues and among the people, they came out because they knew who this was. They knew who, what this parade was, and they asked him, okay, 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 three years, you've been talking about the coming of the Son of Man. Tell us, what will be the signs? How will we know? And Jesus doesn't even hesitate. He said, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah, just like it was. Now, he gives the general attitude. People will be buying and selling and giving in marriage and, you know, and, and, and going on with their lives right up until the time the flood came. Now, there's nothing wrong with buying and selling, giving in marriage, going to work. I tell our, our church, that's what life is. It's mowing the grass, paying the bills, educating the children, you know, attending weddings and funerals and just doing life. There's nothing wrong with that. The point he was making was it'll just be life as usual even before the flood comes and Noah is building a ship the size of an aircraft carrier in his backyard, and he's preaching for 120 years, and the world goes, la, 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 la. Look at the unicorns. Look at the butterflies. Everything's lovely. Everything's beautiful. And Jesus said it'll be just like that. Now, that's the defining nature of it. Then he goes down the road. He winds up in Jerusalem. A couple of months later, he's on the side of the Mount of Olives, and his disciples ask him, what will be the signs of your return? In Matthew 24, that's when he says, well, there'll be wars and rumors of wars and this and that, and you know, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached, and then finally the abomination that causes desolation will be seen. Brother will turn against brother, sister against sister, false prophets, etc., etc. He ends it by talking about his angels going to gather the elect, and then he says, learn the lesson of the fig tree, and I point out in my book that is about the return of Israel. The scholars see it. The word study agrees with it. The fig tree, that morning he had cursed a fig tree. Now that evening he's saying when it comes back to life, that's the end. That's when all of these things will happen. Throughout the Old Testament, Israel is called the fig tree, and I document all of this. That's what he's prophesying. He says the return of Israel is the starting clock, and all of this stuff will happen quickly. And then he says, and don't forget, he says it again, it'll be like the days of Noah. We'll take a quick time out, come back, Carl Gallup. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, Carl, I'm going to go to the YouTube live stream where in our uh, chat room there where people have left some questions. Show me the truth 74. They have some interesting handles in our YouTube live chat. Show me the truth 74 asks, Carl, your thoughts on these satanic shoes with blood inside. Feels like this is another witchcraft ritual thrown right in our faces, our children's faces. I'm not sure if you've heard about this. Little Nas X is a rapper. 
and he's uh, released a line of shoes. They're called Satan shoes. Apparently, they will contain a drop of human blood, and there will be 666 pairs released. Obviously, it sounds like kind of a, a marketing ploy here. Nevertheless, you know, Satan shoes with human blood in them? What are your thoughts? Yeah, what are my thoughts? I think this is Satan's arrogance. Yes, I'm familiar with this story. His arrogance, he's feeling his power. This is Revelation 12, 12, right in our face. Be woe unto you, earth, because Satan has been thrown down amongst you. He is filled with rage, and he knows his time is short. This is just one little thing. I mean, there's so many things that have come out. And these shoes didn't necessarily come out of COVID, but ever since we turned the corner to 2020 and this huge attack against the church and everything godly and the Bible and culture and business and people and, you know, hurting us up like animals and masking us up, this masquerade, and now comes a tennis shoe by the most famous marketer of shoes on the planet with 666 emblazoned on the back heel and interestingly this shows you how these people are so depraved they don't even know the word of god or they think they can twist the word just like satan did with jesus in the wilderness temptation he actually quoted scripture to jesus actually misquoted or half quoted scripture if he would do it to jesus certainly he'll do it to the world and on the side of these tennis shoes it says luke 1018. Luke, the gospel of Luke 1018. What is that? I saw Satan fall like lightning from the heavens. And that's supposed to be Satan bragging about himself. It's crazy. That scripture goes on to speak of the condemnation, the fact that he has been defeated. He was kicked out of heaven. And now we have been given authority and power over him in the name of Jesus, the Bible says, and in the power that the Lord gives us and that we're in the fourth quarter and the game is over. I mean, the the game's still being played. People are still getting hurt. (laughs) You know, people are taking some licks, but the bottom line is Satan cannot catch up. He cannot. He's lost. And in the middle of everything else, all of the lunacy comes this shoe that is supposed to be embedded with human blood, drops of human blood, 666 on the heel, black and red is the color, kind of demonic, hellish looking, and Luke 10:18 emblazoned on the side as though that's Satan bragging about how he's as powerful as like lightning. I came down like lightning to the earth. It's just in our face. And, you know, could it just be this ingenious marketing ploy? Well, of course it could. I mean, but I write about it in Gods and Thrones, one of the books I did. That's one of Satan's tricks. He influences and manipulates the thrones of power. That can be corporate business. It can be institutions of education. It can be churches and pulpits and ecclesiastical power. It can be governmental power, kings, presidents, queens. And that's where Satan hovers. Hollywood, you know, video game marketers. I mean, any place where the people's minds are kind of wrapped into a a, a certain ism or schism. That's where Satan hovers. So do I think there's anything demonic in this? Absolutely, I do. And, uh, you know, I don't make a huge deal of it. Like, I mean, it doesn't affect me. I'm under the blood of Jesus. It doesn't affect me at all or any other true born-again Christian. But it's just in our face, Richard. And this is just a little thing, but there it is. 
All right. Roger Vega asks, do you remember, Carl, that the project for a new American century, which was floated right before 9-11, but no one believed anything would happen? Isn't this similar with the Great Reset and the virus? Yeah, I do remember it. I do know what they're talking about. It is similar. I've been trying to tell people this for years, and they look at me like I've got a third eye on my forehead. Most people I don't think have heard of this, but yeah, it was like a super duper, I think you would call it neoconservative think tank Mm -hmm. developed in the mid-1990s, and this was the idea. Now, I want your audience to hear this because we think of you know, the one world order and the antichrist system, it's going to come out of Rome or it's going to come out of the, uh, the, the conglomeration of the EU or it's going to come out of the Middle East. And maybe it's that and all of that together. Who knows in the end of it all, the great Babylon, the great harlot, the Bible speaks of this conglomeration, this federation. But look at this project for a new American century in the mid 1990s. Their stated goal was we need, and I'm going to oversimplify it, but this is what it says. It says, we, we need to take control of the globe to bring about some kind of peace and order and security, and it needs to be done on an American model. We are the superpower of money and, and military and influence and prestige, we can make this happen. And so what happens when in, in, in the days of the Gulf War, Saddam Hussein? Well, we need to take him out. We need to change that regime. Uh, we, we need a new government over there. Well, what about over here? Well, we need to take that one out. We need to change it. What about Arab Spring? Well, we need to get involved in that. We need to change the, the face of the Middle East. We, you know, this is that's what that whole thing was about. And so Right. And they also floated the idea, Carl, that in in order for to to galvanize public opinion in America, that this is what we need to do and establish, you know, this new world order, as George Herbert Walker Bush said. Yes. uh, That we may need another Pearl Harbor. A trigger. Yeah. A trigger. Yeah. And a lot of people think 9-11 was that. I, you know, I, I don't know if I buy that, but again, I'm not nearly as educated on that one thing as a lot of other people are. It could have been. I wouldn't put it. Nothing is to be put past Satan. Okay. Because, because the Bible is clear. He's the one pulling the strings of so many of these thrones of power that involves not just governments, but everything else I said, institution, Hollywood, entertainment, schools, churches, everything. Um, and so Nothing would nothing would surprise me. I mean, I believe for those of us that belong to the Lord, when we wind up in glory and God shows us, the Bible says we will know him as he is, we will understand, we will see clearly. And I believe we're going to be shocked at what was really going on behind the curtains. It's like we're living in the Wizard of Oz. It's like we're living in Munchkinland in Oz. You know, there's a man behind the curtain pulling the buttons and pushing the knobs. We just see the big ugly face, the hologram out front. But really... It's 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 this fallen being uh, that's trying to be bigger and more powerful and shinier than he really is. Thus, my book Masquerade, you know, and so this. Yeah, this project for a new American century. A lot of Americans don't even know about it. A lot of good, godly people don't have a clue that that American leadership for decades has been trying to set America up as the head of the globalist government. So, so brother, we're just living in prophetic times where everybody 
that doesn't belong to the Lord. They're just living in their flesh. They're, they're looking for a way to control the world. Now, that is a demonic spirit. It's called the spirit of Antichrist, and John wrote about it in First John and the book of Revelation. We'll go back to more questions from the YouTube live chat. We're coming up on a break, but I just want to go back to to Noah since that's, again, the subtitle, you know, preparing for the days of Noah, as in the days of Noah. That's when, you know, the second coming. That's when we're talking about end times prophecy here. And uh, so, you know, you mentioned Noah was building this ark, and it may have slipped past some people, but he was building the ark for like 12 decades, 120 years. It wasn't just like, you know, a five-year project. 120 years, he's hammering away, sawing boards or whatever. 120 years? Yeah. No, it couldn't be when the flood came that nobody knew (laughs) or that somebody was left out. No, by the time the flood came, everybody had either laid eyes on that ark or had heard about it. I mean, there's no way 120 years building an aircraft carrier-sized ship in your backyard. You know, people say, oh, that crazy old man. Well, but he wasn't. He came from a good family, very ingenious, industrious people. And think about it, the materials. I mean, he some of his materials and supplies, he had to shop. He had to go into the towns and villages and barter and trade. It wasn't just like some out in the woods hiding from everybody, some prepper that was growing every weed and, and seed for his family. No, he was a part of the culture and society, and they knew him. And he was quite a respected guy. And he was saying, look, it's going to happen, guys. It is going to happen. The Word of God has spoken clearly. And, you know, that's why we kind of feel like Noah's in our day, you know, and like Lot's in his day. We're telling people, look, I can tell you what God's Word says. It was written thousands of years ago. See, this is the ark we're building. And it was written thousands of years ago, and now you're living in the midst of it. Churches are being closed. Brothers and sisters are turning against each other and turning each other into the authorities. Technology has increased. Whatever is done in secret is shouted from the rooftops, literally now. Instantaneous communication information and Israel has returned and it's been there 73 years. And we're preaching and teaching saying, people, please, please understand the return of the Lord is soon. I'm not setting dates. We've got another time out. We'll uh, come back with more. As in the days of Noah, the book is The Summoning. Carl Gallup stays with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, before we get back to the questions from the YouTube live chat, let me just get back to Noah for a moment. So he's building this ark for 120 years it takes him. And so, you know, generations growing up watching this ark being built, people are asking, why are you building the ark? He tells them. But in the end, you know, when the rain starts to fall and the door is sealed shut and people are are screaming outside, let me in, let me in, it's too late. Now, there's nothing Noah can do. God has sealed the door. But did he make it, was it made known to the people? Listen, if you want to come on the ark with me, you're welcome. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, the the Bible claims that he was a preacher of righteousness. He preached for 120 years. And the implication, I mean, why am I, I preach, I preach every Sunday, but why do I preach? Well, I'm preparing God's people. I'm equipping God's people. But what am I equipping them for? To go out into the world and make disciples, to go out into the world and be the salt and the light, to go out into the world and bring people on the ark 
the the ark is now it's the old rugged cross and an empty tomb and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You got to get on board because when God shuts the door, it's done. So I think the implication is is that yeah, I mean for 120 years he preached and pled with the people, but and pleaded with the people. But by the end of it all, the Bible says that Noah and his family were the only ones found to be righteous. Now, the word righteous, we use that, we misuse that word, at least biblically speaking, we misuse it in our modern culture. It doesn't mean goody-goody two-shoes. It doesn't mean perfection. What it means is the word righteous in the biblical sense means a person is declared righteous by God when we're under the blood of Jesus Christ. And again, I'm not trying to be preachy. This is just the word of God. And so we are declared, it's like a judge. We're standing before a judge. We've committed a murder. But for whatever reason, the judge has mercy on us, and he said, I declare you righteous. I declare you not guilty. I I will take your punishment upon myself. Well, no human judge would do that. No, but the judge of the universe did. He gave the opportunity. So, So, yeah, Noah was proclaiming righteousness of God. He was proclaiming salvation. Get on the ark with us. Uh, But I I think as it drew closer and closer, I think the Lord revealed to him, Noah, nobody's going to be coming. And, you know, it's interesting. So Noah and his family then, metaphorically speaking, would represent the family of God in the last days, those who are under the blood. Well, that would be the church. And, And it's not because we're special because we're Christians or no, no, because not everybody that just says, Lord, Lord, the only people that will quote, go up in the ark that will be saved from the coming wrath will be those who God has declared righteous. Well, in the last days, the only ones God will declare righteous are those who have bowed their knee to Jesus Christ, according to the word of God. So you can see the metaphorical similarities between the days of Noah and our days. Now, Jesus didn't say, that the last days before his return would be kind of like the days of Noah or similar to the days of Noah or could be compared to. He said emphatically in Luke 17 and in Matthew 24, separated by a couple of months, both times he said, it will be just like the days of Noah. And Peter addresses in Second Peter chapter 3, he says, you know, in the last days, scoffers are going to come. They're going to scoff. They're going to mock. They're going to say, where is this coming of the Lord that everybody talks about? Ever since the beginning, the world has gone on like it has from the beginning. And he says, but they purposely forget that this earth has already been destroyed by God's wrath one time when God sent the flood in Noah's day. There it is again. Peter's talking about it. Where did he hear that from? Well, he heard it from Jesus. He was his right-hand man. So, so yes, Richard, It's. I think he was preaching. I think he was begging. I think he was pleading. As it got closer to the end, I think he realized that it was going to be him, his family, and the animals that God brought, and then God shut the door. That is a perfect biblical picture of what's going to happen in the end. There will be apparently billions that will not get upon the ark of the gospel message of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what this whole week of Passion Week and, 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 and uh, Passover is all about. It's about the cross, the crucifixion, the resurrection. It's the ark. Get on board because Jesus said, I am the door and nobody's getting into paradise but by me. Get yeah, on the ark. I've got about a minute here before the break, and I'm, I just wanted to make this observation, and maybe I'm making too much of, you know, trying to make a connection between COVID and the ark, but 
you know, Moses and his family were shut in there. It just, it, it wasn't just 40 days and 40 nights. That's how long the rain lasted. But yep. they were shut inside for what, 150, 200 days uh, before the water? I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, I was just going to say, I mean, I'm just drawing that connection between the lockdown and the stay at home and quarantining at home uh-huh. and being inside. And we were told two weeks to flatten the curve. And then before you know it, here we are a year later, more than a year later. I'm just thinking maybe, you know, I'm thinking Shem <laughs> and Japheth and Hammer saying, you know, when is this going to end? You said two weeks or you said 40 days and we're still shut inside. Yeah, brother, I've got to admit. That's pretty brilliant. I, I, I haven't even considered that. Uh, now, I, why didn't I call you before I wrote that book? <laughs> I, 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 no, I mean, I, think about it, man. I mean, you know, like you said, you might be making too much of it, and you might, and I might be by kind of agreeing with you here, but, but there is a little bit of a parallel there, isn't there? Now, if I, I could be wrong here, so your audience can correct me. I know I wrote it in my book somewhere. I, I went and added it all up, and maybe you haven't gotten to that point yet, and I can't remember, but I, the Bible from the time they got in the ark and the door closed to the time the ark settled and the water receded enough that they could open it and get out and go back to life. I think it was like a year and a half. If I'm not mistaken, the whole thing, the whole saga took about a year and a half. There you Um, go. Again, I could be corrected, (laughs) but good gosh, man, that's corresponding so far with right where we are now. (laughs) All right, we'll take one final time out, come back. More questions for Carl Gallup's The Summoning, and we'll tell you how to get a copy as well. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. So I suppose you could look at Noah as uh, the ultimate prepper. Uh, Should should Christians be preppers? Yeah, well... Actually, um, Noah was the ultimate prepper, and then you move to Joseph, uh, seven years storing up grain with Pharaoh's permission. He became the hero of Egypt and the known world back in those days. Uh, and, and you move on through to the early church in the, in the New Testament, and they were not only preppers, they were mega preppers. I mean, they had, they had pandemics and disease and earthquakes and volcanoes and, and, and devastation and persecution. And, and so the Bible speaks of how they would, they would buy and sell property. They would split up amongst each other. They would take care of the widows that couldn't work. They would take care of each other. Uh, they were prepping and they were saving up and they were storing up and they were taking care of each other. So should Christians be preppers? Well, the word prepper is kind of a pejorative now. Nowadays, uh, it's funny though. The governments of the world are preppers. You can go to the government websites, and they tell you how to prep for war and for pestilence and devastation, uh, especially after nine eleven. So it's just is this whole thing is filled with hypocrisy and duplicity and you know pejoratives. But yes, yes, we should. The Bible says it like this in one of the proverbs. I've got it quoted in my book. Uh, look, the the wise man sees danger coming and prepares for it, and and he is blessed. The fool sees that danger coming and does nothing and pays the price for it. So yeah, in that sense, we should just prepare kind of for the worst, but hope for the best and pray for the best and just keep our head on a swivel. I tell Christians, don't walk around in paranoia and anxiety. That's the opposite of being a person of faith, but rather mow the grass, pay the bills, educate the children, plan for the future. Nobody knows the day or the hour, but understand there is an aircraft carrier size ship 
in the backyard of the world. We're living in the days of Noah, and we need to be prepared for some tough times and to minister to the world around us, and we need to be prepared uh, for, for the coming of the Lord. And it may happen in our day. It may be another generation or two, maybe a hundred years from now, but but on the course of human history, it's coming very, very soon and very quickly, like Daniel said, like a flood. Isn't that interesting? Way back in Daniel's day, he said the end will come like a flood, bringing again the picture of Noah into mind. Uh, Solar Warden asks, do you envision human rights groups being able to successfully prevent forced vaccinations when push comes to shove? Yeah, listen, solar solar flare is that what you said? Yeah, uh, solar warden. Yeah, solar warden. Yeah, solar warden. Listen, that that's a great question, and 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 I'm going to answer that. But first, to keep you and me out of trouble, Richard, I want to say this about Nike and the Satan shoe. NBC News is reporting just a few hours ago that Nike has now disclaimed any connection to this. It's being done by a group called Mischief, M-S-C-H-F, all in caps, and working with this rapper. And Nike saying, we didn't have anything to do with this. They're buying up our shoes, and they're putting all this stuff on it. So I, you know, earlier I said Nike was behind it, but I want to make that correction so you and I I don't get in trouble, okay? Thank you for that. Actually, okay. you didn't. You didn't. You you mentioned a large shoe company, but you didn't mention them by name. Oh, okay. But, uh, but thank you for that. Anyway, you you're yes, right. So it, yes, the yes. rapper and his group are uh, they're buying up shoes, but they're not being supported, or uh, this is in no way anything to do with Nike. Okay. Yes, yes, exactly. And Thank I didn't that. say the name, but you know, it's got the symbol emblazoned. It is they are Nike shoes, but Nike said we did not produce these. Okay. All right. And so, you know, I got a radio program. I know how this works, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well done. All right. All right. So, now back to Solar Warden's question. Yeah, uh, do I envision being able to successfully prevent Forced vaccination or um, human rights. I, do we think human rights groups are going to come forward or, or, or there, yeah. will there be successful maybe Supreme Court challenges? Yeah, yeah, I, there are. There are already challenges in the United States and probably will be in Canada and probably around the world. But but here's the thing, uh, Solar Warden, um, and I know that's your, your pen name here. Um, here's the thing. Um, that's an excellent question. We don't we don't know. But here's what we do know. We don't know about. COVID-19 and forced vaccinations. Now, in the United States, the Supreme Court ruled decades ago, and I, and I uh, uh, um, referenced this in my book. Alan Dershowitz actually came out and said during the height of COVID, he said, look, you need to know the Supreme Court has already ruled that in the case of a national emergency, if it is declared that you know we think we're under a biological warfare attack and the president and Congress decrees it, you can be held down in a needle forced in your arm by the U.S. government, and there's nothing legally you can do about it. Now, that the Supreme Court has ruled several times. Now, it's a very, very, you know, that would be a really uh, extreme case, but they have ruled in an extreme case. So, so to this gentleman that wrote in under the name Solar Warden, uh, you know, nations of the world, and the United States is one of the, the strongest, freest nations with a constitution that says, look, you're human rights can't be violated. But yet we're living in the midst of it. So so we don't know what's going to happen, but the Bible is clear. There will come a time in Revelation 13, it says that the whole world will be forced to take a mark or you cannot buy or sell or trade or therefore eat. Um, 
Now, those that bow to the Antichrist system, uh, some people say, well, it means it's a mark to, it's a, like a certificate of worship. Yeah, but worship doesn't necessarily mean bowing down and praying and, you know, uh, you know, genuflecting and saying, oh, thou art the king of kings. It, it, worship means assigning ultimate worth and value, saying yes, sir, and saluting when the government says, take this mark. Now, I'm not saying the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I th- still think it's a dry run to see how easy it would be to get everybody to line up and take a mark. It could be, though, with this digital tracing technology we have and all of that other, we don't know what it's going to be yet. Uh, And I know people are fighting it. So do I think it can be prevented? I think in pockets and here and there, yes, it will be prevented. But the bottom line is, if we're still here when the Antichrist system comes to fruition, uh, it's going to be a mandate from the globe to take some kind of mark that identifies us as being good little government followers. All right. Uh, The summoning, where does that name come from? It comes from Psalm 50, the first six verses, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'll paraphrase, but it basically says the Lord God is enthroned in heaven, and he is summoning all of heaven and earth to his throne. And the picture is the day of judgment. He says, but he says to the, he says to his angelic host, he says, but gather together my elect, those who are under the sacrifice. Well, the last day's sacrifice is the blood of Jesus. The gathering together of the elect appears to a lot of scholars to be a picture of the rapture. I chose that scripture and that title because it's, you can feel it in the air, brother. The judgment of God has already begun with the house of the Lord. It's all over the world. The, 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 the Bible speaks of a rapture in the last days, and we could get into pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. I'm not going to do that. But, but there's going to be a catching away, a calling away, and then the wrath of God is coming. So the summoning. You know, I used to be a cop, man. I've issued summons. I know what they are. I, I've gone to state attorney's offices and to judges to get a summons for somebody to appear. And so that's what it means. It's just an order from heaven. You will appear before my throne. If you're not under the blood, forget the mark of the beast. You better have the mark of the lamb. Hmm. Let me ask you this in all seriousness. Would you, yes. would you like to see uh, you know, the, the live to see the end times play out, uh, and the and the final judgment, or would you would you rather you know pass on and leave that for another generation to experience? <laughs> well, the bottom line is, Richard, there is no time in the presence of the Lord. Jesus told the thief on the cross two thousand years ago. He said, "Look, today, in a few moments, this day, I promise you, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. It's an interdimensional universe." It just is. I write about this. The Bible speaks of it. It demands we believe it. So even if we were to leave this world in what we call death, we close our eyes, we open our eyes in the presence of the Lord, we're still wrapped up and involved in uh, you know, what's going on on earth and what's getting ready to happen. We will return with the Lord. The judgment seat will be set up. But so, to live you know, through the tribulation, to, to, live, to have to live through the tribulation and Jacob's troubles and all of yeah. that. Yeah, I know. Well, again, look at Noah. That's why Jesus said it'd be just like the days of Noah. He lived in the worst the world had ever been up until his time. God didn't take him out until he poured his wrath out. But in the midst of it, he protected Noah. Same with Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Peter says he uses both Noah and Lot as examples of the last days. And he says, look, he says, God knew how to take care of Noah and his family. 
and 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 made them preachers of righteousness and 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 he saved them and he protected them and he knew how to take care of Lot and his family living in Sodom and Gomorrah and he says and Lot was vexed in his righteous heart seeing the depravity of the day day in and day out but yet God knew how to take care of him okay, and the implication just about out of time, i got to ask you, how do we get a copy of the book? Okay, you can get it anywhere good books are sold. They're selling out all over the place. Go to my website, carlgalps.com. You can get them directly from me, signed. Or you can get them anywhere else in the world where good books are sold, Amazon and brick-and-mortar stores. And very quickly, how do we listen to you on the radio? Same thing, carlgallops.com. Everything's there. My live stream, my radio feeds, everything is there, books and everything. Carl, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's my honor, Richard. Thank you for having me on. All right. Back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.